Letters from a Lonely Flyboy is brought to you in partnership with Speak Studios and Speak Boise. Speak Boise is a community-driven studio space where voices from all walks of life can speak and be heard. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Speak Studios, Speak Boise, and at their website, speakstudios.com. Speak Studios, speak and be heard. This podcast is also brought to you by Instant Imprints. Promote better with Instant Imprints. Instant Imprints are Boise's visual communications experts and your place for everything you need to promote your business, club, school, or group. As a locally owned business, Instant Imprints specializes in making your organization more visible with custom branded apparel, embroidery, promotional items, print services, and wide format printing for signs, as well as banners and vehicle graphics. Want better ways to get noticed? Visit Instant Imprints at instantimprints.com slash Boise or call 208-IMPRINT. That's 208-467-7468. Welcome to another episode of Letters from a Lonely Flyboy, where my brother Clint and I will share letters from our father, Air Force pilot Chuck Cathcart, to our mother Renee in the early 1960s. These letters were written while our father was stationed in Osan, South Korea for 12 months. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Letters from a Lonely Flyboy. I'm, we're your hosts. I'm Kelly Dennis. And I'm Clinton Cathcart. And thank you for joining us as we continue on this journey described by our father through his letters home. The letters in this episode begin on September 10th, 1961. And Clint is going to read uh, letter number 27. Okay, so this letter is dated this Sunday, the 10th of September, and it reads, Hi, honey. Another day gone. Worked for a while this morning and hit golf balls this afternoon till my hands got so sore I couldn't hold a club. Felt good, though. I have to alter my grip just a little, and that produced some other problems. But I think I can lick them all right. May even do a lot of good because I can't use quite so much right hand. Heard a joke. Two drunks were talking. First drunk said, I got a new poodle puppy for my wife. The second one said, gee, I sure wish I could make a trade like that. (laughs) Okay. Got a letter today. Sure. Glad to hear from you got the money. Okay. You didn't say how much. So I assumed it was $865. Wish I could have gotten it there sooner. There must have been more than a little damage to the house to cost $352. I must say, we've gotten our money's worth out of that insurance. The guy in the next room to me here in the hooch has an 8mm projector that he will let me use. He will have it until about Christmas, he says. He's a civilian, seems like a decent type, though. So if you can get some pictures, I would sure like to see them. I could probably round up another if the 8mm isn't convenient for you. Don't worry about the house, girl. She's good, but not that good. She would mix a martini for me if I'd let her. To put it in her words, me no pretty, but number one house girl. She's right, too, except the girl part is used pretty loosely. I'm still filling out papers to get the Whitefish Hospital and Dr. Kaufman paid, all for a total of about $40. It'll cost the government twice that much in paper stamps and nine hours by the time they're finished. It's been a real pleasant day for a change, warm but about right. The nights are starting to cool off, too. We'll need a blanket before long. Miss you, all of you. I love you, see. 
I love that he starts off with a joke. I mean, I, I just yeah. when I first read it, I just thought, why is he writing down a joke? But how else is he going to share it with her? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. He just writes yeah. it in a letter. I love it. So um, the house what uh, is uh, there, there's some damage to the one in Louisiana, I'm assuming. Yes, um, that's the only house they own at this point. Um, okay. They bought it when um, we came back from Germany in 1955, um, and um, he uh, 54, 55, and um, they apparently hadn't been able to sell it for a reasonable price. Uh, I think we mentioned in a letter previously to this um, that he was encouraged because the army had decided to reopen Fort Polk, which is fairly close to Alexandria there, and that would provide more buyers that would um, put more uh, ho- housing ne- uh, people in need of housing in the area there. So um, it looks like maybe I'm going to guess at this time of year probably some winds coming in from a hurricane. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they weren't right on the coast, but you know those winds take a, a few miles to blow out. And um, I would guess it's probably something like roof damage or something. But um, just to put it in perspective, of course, $352 sounds pretty small. In fact, most for most of us, that's now smaller than our deductible. Yeah. But in those days, of course, that would have been a pretty pretty reasonable sum of money. Yeah, I would have, I'd be overjoyed if that's all I ever had to pay for a house repair. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yes. So mom must be worried that dad's getting a little too attached to the house girl or that she might, that he might be. Oh, I suppose. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Um, you know, he, um, he, um, he's like, he assures her that, um, uh, he's, she's not even, he, she's really good at cleaning, um, <laughs> place and she does a really great job with the laundry, but he's not even re- really ready to let her try to make a martini. So <laughs> that's probably a good sign. Yeah. All right, then I am going to read um, uh, the next letter, number 28. And this one is dated Monday, 11 September. Hi, honey. No mail today, but they've changed the system. For now, from now on, I'm told there will be no mail deliveries, airmail that is, to Osan on Monday or Wednesday. I don't know why I really try to keep up with it. Just got to bed last night and got called out on this damned exercise. Got back to, be- back to bed about 0100 and I'm tired tonight. Fully expect to get another call tonight, probably for longer. If I do, they can just do without me in the plans business tomorrow until I finish sleeping. Already been in once tonight. Went to the club after work for a beer with the troops in the office. Not a kindred smir- spirit among them. Surrounded by navigators and goonie bird types. Anyway, hadn't had my beer when they started calling for me. I took a small amount of shaft on this deal anyway. This isn't all, but I won't go into it. Someday I'll tell you all about it. Sure hate to be crying to you all the time. Finally got the last, or should say latest, set of papers off to get the hospital and Doc Kaufman paid for my finger. What a rigmarole. If I had plenty of money, I'd just pay them and forget it, but I don't figure we're that well fixed. We now have sentry dogs patrolling our area. Have been a rash of break-ins. Saw one tonight that is a dead ringer for Barano. Wouldn't go anywhere near him, of course. This certainly ought to solve the problem. Sure miss you. I love you. I love you, too. I really do, you know. C. Okay. So is, um, is there some military significance to the reference to Goonie Bird types? 
Uh, yeah, he's referring to um, the type of pilot um, that would be flying. Um, the Gunning Bird was a, um, a C-47. It was a twin-engine uh, prop um, cargo plane, um, and um, he extensively used in World War II and in um, uh, Korea um, for moving people and and, and cargo about. Uh, it was fairly state of the art at that point, as far as um, as far as uh, that type of aircraft would be, uh, and it was very very durable, very hardy. Those were the airplanes that you saw, and you see the black and white movies and um, about the, with the paratroopers jumping out of them. Those were the C forty sevens. But generally, his references would be uh, kind of. Um, uh, down the nose, you know, looking down, um, uh, <laughs> didn't consider those people to be um, uh, pilots in a true sense, I suppose. Yeah, it didn't sound like a like a flattering reference at all. No, no. It sounds like the exercise is really keeping him busy. Yeah, yeah. I, um, and, and I'm sure there was uh, quite a bit of that. It would have been probably, I, I assume, like um, Fifth Air Force tactical evaluation exercises that they run to make sure that these guys um, know their jobs and know how to do them. Yeah, right. Well, then uh, just calling surprise, uh, um, you know, su- surprise drills in the middle of the night then to make sure everybody's right. on their game. Okay. Oh, yeah, because um, generally, predictably, uh, problems don't start with, you know, a great deal of warning and preparation. They, right. you know, you, <laughs> a problem just appears and you have to deal with it. Okay. So the sentry dogs protecting the base, who were they protecting it from and what are those people after? Well, I've got to believe knowing, you know, I mean, remember, um, there's not really an awful lot of Americans there, mostly military types. There were a few families because you could bring your family over depending on your particular job. But um, they would be, you know, Korea probably at that time still recovering, you know, from a wartime situation, probably relatively poor. And so there would have been people breaking in to um, these single military um, quarters. They would be for officers where he was living. Um, And um, those people would have personal items like cameras, uh, TVs, radios, um, um, stereo equipment, those sorts of things that um, would be worth some money and these people could could steal and and sell um, to try to make some money. So they... Um, apparently had a rash of break-ins, so they started using um, um, sentry drug dogs to patrol the area. Okay, so they're protecting um, the the residents of the base and not necessarily military um, equipment or, or uh, anything. No, not like military that. equipment, but certainly, but pro- uh, uh, personal equipment where where these people were living, you know, in the area where they were living. Okay, and he references Berno. Okay, so Berno, we had a dog. Um, it, uh, about this at, at this point, probably about four years earlier, uh, we got Berno. He was a coal black German Shepherd, extremely well trained dog. Um, had been to to um, all sorts of schools. Um, really a terrific dog. Just 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 um, uh, a great pet, but also a very good watch dog. Um, Dad, I don't know. He just he um, he was offered uh, the dog. Uh, the, uh, a woman sold him um, the dog and and. Um, he, um, um, you know, basically fell in love with the dog. And so, and he was a great pet for me, a great companion for me. So, 
Um, and he, he was like, I say he was an exceptionally good watchdog. He, he, uh, I can remember an episode one time, mom had a 1954 Pontiac convertible, um, at that time. And when, when we had Berno and dad would go take the dog sometimes, um, out to the base with him and, um, run him around out on the ramp. It was concrete and would file the dog's nails down. Um, <laughs> and so, um, he left him one time in the convertible, of course. And, of course, Berno would go nowhere. And that was where he knew he was supposed to be. Wow. Um, and it started raining. And some friends and dad came <laughs> along and decided they were going to uh, give him a hand and put the top up. The dog would not allow them to touch the car. Oh, boy. Yeah. And do I remember correctly that dad said that Berno um, responded to German commands? He did. Um, I He was born on an island in the Mosul River uh, in Germany. Okay. The Mosul River comes into the Rhine there right at uh, just south of Cologne. Um, and um, um, he, um, uh, I, I assume, for whatever reason, had some training there in Germany as well. But uh, he, he, I mean, he wasn't fluent in German by any means, but he could <laughs> respond to certain commands, whether they were in English or, or German. Okay. Well, it sounds like, he sounds like an amazing dog. I really wish I could have met him. He was a fun dog and he loved to chase sticks. <laughs> okay. Would you go on and read letter number 29, please? Yes. Okay. So um, this letter is dated Tuesday, the 12th of September, and it reads, Hi, honey, got two letters today. Not supposed to get any tomorrow under the new system, but we'll wait and see. Yeah. I love the old leather portfolio. I bought, brought it and a few of the, of the more recent snapshots of the three of you thought you knew. I put the old leather job in my footlocker before we left Langley. Don't worry about the uh, moral support for me. I know I've been doing quite a bit of griping, but but this is the best way for me to do it. I wish you were here too, in a way, but then if I were really pinned down on the matter, I would have to say I'm glad you're and my friends are where you are. Really, I must admit that I wouldn't want you, any of you here. Naturally, conditions could be improved to accept the dependence, um, but it would take an awful lot as far as I can see, and militarily it would be ridiculous. I honestly think it's better to sweat out the year or 13 months by myself than sweat out two more years with my troops here. Uh, there are more than just one reason for this. I'll explain it to all to you later. Incidentally, you can forget the remarks about your dumb letters. Just keep them rolling. Old Dink got a clean bill of health from the doctor. Glad to hear it. You might tell him I'm very pleased with the reports on his condition and appearance. Why should I worry about the iced coffee routine? Uh, we should be able to get enough to handle both of us <laughs> if you don't drink too much. Can't stand your own martinis. I had thought you were getting the knack. The reason for the price of vermouth uh, is the Buy American deal. We now have scotch, etc. again, but it's about $5 per fifth compared to the $2 it used to be. Mm. You can go ahead and buy the furniture for Dink and don't wait till you go to work. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it isn't unnecessary. Not to say you can't, but if you feel you need to do something, I won't object. Just don't get the feeling you have to. Right now, I don't think I'll fool with any kind of a tour here. No one has asked me, but I'm planning on just coming home as soon as possible. If I could get to Kadena Air Base to talk to Sindler, 
to get a definite job commitment, uh, I would. And I have a general look around. I might be tempted. Anything else is out. I can see that an extra day or two here on this tour would be almost unbearable. I feel now that the best thing is to head home as fast as I can get there. Japan, for the um, from most sources, appeals to me less and less, with the exception that my year here would count on the government quarters list. My problem boils down to a very basic matter, not unique, but basic. I miss you and want to come home now. I love you. See. Yeah, boy, he's he's ready to come right. home. Do you remember the leather portfolio they're talking about? I do. Um, it was a. It was kind of like the ones you see uh, with attorneys, um, you know, where it just basically has a couple handles and it folds into, to you know, basically one piece and holds uh, whatever it's supposed to hold in, in, in you know, in the middle. Um, the portfolio, this portfolio basically was um, for photographs. And I, he obviously thought that she knew that before we left Virginia, when we left Virginia, we went to Montana and then down to um, Arizona. Okay. Uh, and he left from Arizona to go to Korea. Um, he, he thought that she realized that he had put it in his footlocker, which was going with him to Korea, so that he'd have pictures of the family. Sure. Okay. And I imagine when she found out it was missing, she was not very happy. <laughs> she was in a panic because yeah. I'm sure she was looking for pictures to send to him. Okay. That makes sense. And so uh, they mentioned you have a clean bill of health. What's that about? Well, um, I had to have a physical to play football there. Um, as anybody who has um, a child in school knows, um, it, generally speaking with just about any sport, I'm sure. Um, but it, it also is a reference to the, or the condition. Um, sometime in a, in a previous uh, couple, three years, um, they had sent me to spend a summer with dad's parents, my grandparents in Hammond, Indiana, mm -hmm. um, our grandparents. And, um, Grandma was a great cook, and they were they loved to. They had you know uh, sweet rolls and all sorts of neat stuff every morning, and and uh, oh, bought boy. you know salamis <laughs> and things from the butchery and and what have you. And so anyway, um, I was um, I was I weighed more when I got home than I did when I left, oh. and so they were a little distressed about that. And it took me a number of years to to begin to trim back down. Oh boy. <laughs> Well, Grandma was quite a cook, too. Oh, yes. And a baker. Oh, yes, indeed. So it was funny they were joking about whether or not they'd be able to keep enough coffee in the house for both of them. I know Mom really, really liked coffee. She drank a lot of it, and so did Dad. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he he drank iced coffee, which basically, you know, instead of iced tea yeah. that many of us would have, he, he would drink iced coffee. Okay. So he's really been doing some thinking about whether or not to stay there a while longer. He's uh, doing a little bit of soul searching there. Yep. And yeah, he, go ahead. Well, he mentions the American quarters list. Well, um, what he's talking about there is if, because uh, we, we've talked a little bit about, you know, he might be able to get a job um, with the um, uh, F-100 wing over in, in Japan at Izuki. Um, and he, uh, he was familiar with 100s, um, certainly had flown them, and had a squadron of 100s. And he um, uh, would welcome that as a job. Um, he would consider it an improvement over what he's doing now. Oh, sure. But 
he uh, the only way that um, the, the only reason that Japan would sound really good to him because it would require staying longer. Right. Okay, bringing the family over and staying longer is that because he he could count his time in Korea as time um, on a waiting list uh, for government housing, which meant that he would probably get government housing uh, much more quickly. Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds important. So, what, he, oh, go ahead. What, what were you going? Well, he was saying also that he might consider going to Kadena on Okinawa. Uh-huh. Um, but again, um, that would be an accompanied tour. Um, that well, then we we would pack up and move over there. Um, uh, but uh, those are basically the only two things that he thought were were worth um, considering. Otherwise, just forget it, put his time in, right. and go home. I think that's really what he wants to do. Yeah. So what furniture were you getting? Well, um, apparently... We, you know, we, they trimmed down hugely. Uh, they sold, got rid of most of their furniture because we moved into, a, I think it was a two bedroom apartment. Um, it had to have been because grandma lived with us for a while. And so there was you no, know, all of that furniture would certainly not fit into that apartment right. um, from the house. So she felt that I needed something, I guess, maybe for clothes or stuff or whatever, books. Uh, um, and so she uh, actually found uh, this outfit that would build this little custom piece of furniture, kind of like a, a long, drawn-out bureau about, oh, I don't know, three to four feet high. But it had shelves on one side and drawers on the other uh, standard drawers as far as furniture, uh, you know, the Chester drawers was concerned. Uh-huh. And so, um, he was just saying, yeah, if, you know, if you think that that's, that's something we ought to do, go ahead and do it. And, and she did actually, uh, get that, uh, and it wasn't exp- an expensive piece of furniture. Um, it was plain pine. It had to be painted, but we did. It looked nice and we still have it. Yeah. I remember it. It's, yep. uh, it's up in Montana. Okay. Yep. Yep. Well, we're going to wrap things up for this episode today. Thank you so much for listening, and please join us again next time we find we find out exactly why Dad didn't get the job he put in for. And if you have comments or feedback for us that you'd like to share, please reach out to us on Instagram at Lonely Flyboy or at our new email at letters or letters from a Lonely Flyboy at gmail dot com. And um, Thank you again for joining us. It's great to have you listening and look forward to uh, talking to you again next time. I'm Kelly Dennis. And I'm Clinton Cathcart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. We would love your feedback. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can reach us on Instagram at Lonely Flyboy. Can't wait to see you on the next episode of Letters from a Lonely Flyboy.